turn with me, if you will, to the gospel according to Luke, the seventh chapter. The gospel according to Luke, the seventh chapter, starting with the first verse. And we will be reading through the tenth verse. And when you have it, please stand. The gospel according to Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, New Testament. Word of God reads as follows. After Jesus had finished all his sayings, in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. A centurion there had a slave whom he valued highly and who was ill and close to death. When he heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders to him, asking him to come and heal his slave. When they came to Jesus, they appealed to him earnestly, saying, He is worthy of having you do this for him, for he loves our people. And it is he who built the synagogue, our synagogue for us. And Jesus went with them. But he was, when he was not far from the house, the centurion sent friends to him and said, Lord, do not trouble yourself, for I am not worthy to have you come under my roof. Therefore, I, I did not presume to come to you. But only speak the word and let my servant be healed. For I am also a man set under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go. And he goes. And to another, come. And he comes. And to my slave, do this. And the slave does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him turning to the crowd that followed him. He said, I tell you, not even in Israel have I found such a faith. When those who had sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. God's word for God's people and God's people said amen. Amen. Uh, For the time that we get to spend together, I want to talk about faith. Just faith. We join Jesus in the gospel Uh, just after giving the Sermon on the Mount. And he just finished doing that. And because he just finished doing that, a lot of people tend to overlook a couple of the passages afterwards because you have all of this meat that you can preach to on this sermon, which uh, if I was to be a seminarian, use a theological term, a dissertation, one of Jesus' major dissertations. People don't really look at this centurion but this centurion needed help he had a slave who uh, the new revised standard translation says valued highly but the word in the Greek there are some other terms uh, that describe it esteemed uh, thought well of Um, this is something precious is another word that is used for that that term in the Greek but he was in trouble and he needed help and sometimes when you need help you may have to go somewhere that you didn't think you needed to go and sometimes when you receive help you may have to get help from some place that you did not think you would get it from and that's what this centurion did. I, I sympathize with the centurion. Uh, they're usually managing about 80 people 
in the Roman Empire during this time. It was they had usually give or take about eighty soldiers under them total. This centurion was essentially middle management, to use a corporate term. Uh, one person described middle management as something where you're just high enough to get in trouble if something doesn't go right, but you're not high enough on the food chain to actually fix it. Middle management. I can relate. I've been in some situations where you're responsible for people and you can't necessarily control them, but you're still responsible for their actions. Uh, I taught for a while and the phrase I used to hate to hear was control your classroom. It's, it's 20 or 30 kids that may not have the best home training and the hour or two that you spend with them trying to teach them one or two things and you need to control your classroom. I understand. I can relate. I can I relate being in certain corporate situations and you got people up under you and you got something that you are responsible for fixing but you need to go outside to get it fixed and you're not always allowed to go outside to get it fixed they look at you like you need to fix it even though you're not capable of fixing it middle management I wonder you know what what uh, went through the centurion's mind having to go to a figure that was a part of the group of people they were oppressing and asking them for help. You had to have had some sort of kind of faith to believe that somebody who was essentially considered your enemy is supposed to help you. But he had to have faith or else he would not have asked. We, we, we exercise faith in a lot of different things and we don't really think about it. We... Uh, go to bed at night with the faith that we will wake up in the morning. We sit down in chairs and pews with the faith that it'll hold us up. But we're not actually in control of any of these things, but we still believe it'll happen. And this centurion exercised faith. There was three things I, I, I noticed about this uh, faith that the centurion exercised is uh, number one he had respect for the relationship he had respect for the relationship he had respect for authority and he had respect for the redeemer scripture says pretty clearly that he didn't just go on his own he sent Jewish elders in his place he didn't just come at Jesus any kind of way he had some people go speak for him before he did that he respected the relationship not only did he respect the relationship he had also not that the scripture is implying he built the, he built the synagogue and was active in the community just because he knew his slave would get sick and then he'd need Jesus but it's easier to ask somebody for something if you spend some time with them. The relationship is a little better. I have, not that my brother-in-law would need money from me, but if my brother-in-law needed money from me, I have no problem giving to him as opposed to giving to somebody I don't know. 
there's a relationship there. I'm not saying don't be charitable, but there's a relationship there. He had, this centurion had spent time in the community. And when you spend time in a community, you can develop a relationship. And when you develop a relationship, you tend to learn things. You tend to learn a person's track record. He spent time hanging around these Jewish elders. So he had heard about Jesus. This Jesus who heals the sick. This Jesus who walks on water. This Jesus who opened up blinded eyes. This Jesus who sets the captives free. So he had a relationship with the people. And because he had that relationship, that helped him to build his faith. He had an understanding and a respect for the authority. A lot of things I've been reading and studying lately in the scripture, they've all seemed to, and it's by design, obviously, because I'm an electionary preacher. They've been talking about authority and the respect thereof. Even Paul said that he didn't get his authority from man in the scripture that we read this morning. He got his authority from God. And he respected Jesus' authority. I saw a video online uh, not too long ago in uh, one of these uh, pastoral groups I'm in on Facebook. And uh, they showed a video of a child and a parent on Dr. Phil. And I could only really watch the video 20 to 30 seconds at a time because I thought that somebody had put a murder on Facebook. (laughs) There was this child putting his finger in his mama's face, telling her to shut up and let me talk. (laughs) And I I had to keep stopping the video because I was like, oh, the boy's going to die. He's told his mom to shut up several times then then he slapped his mama in the mouth The child had no respect for authority. He told his mom that she was not the boss of him. And that he had control over what he wanted to do and when he wanted to do it. And this video was posted in this pastoral group and the pastor was saying, you know, if these were members of your church... You know, how would you counsel in this situation? And so after I was finally able to watch the video, I replied, my dear good bishop, there would be no counseling. (laughs) There would be, if this was at any, my church, there would be a eulogy planned for a funeral, and then there would be a jail visit. (laughs) 
no respect for authority. And it's rampant. It, we, we have no respect for some of our pastors. We have no respect for our teachers. We have no respect for our presidents. Oh, our last three presidents have been the objects of major jokes. Now they're they 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 they've brought some of it on uh, by their behavior. But there was a time I recall where you respected the office, even if you had a problem with the person. As a person, you still respected the office because you respected where their authority came from. You may disagree. But you could disagree respectfully. That seems to not be the case now. If two people disagree on something, if violence doesn't ensue, there's at least a level of disrespect in the conversation. But I go to the scripture and this centurion, he respected the authority. He sent elders to speak on him for his on his behalf. And then when he when Jesus came to the house, he still said that I'm not worthy of you entering my house. Now, this is a soldier, middle management, responsible for the occupation of the Holy Land. Rome just kind of took over all of these different areas. And the people there were subservient to them. But he still said, I'm not worthy. He respected Jesus' authority. And then he respected the Redeemer. Jesus was on his way to the house and he said, I don't need you to come all the way to the house. I understand how this works. You are powerful enough that you don't need to actually physically be in the same building with somebody to heal them. So even this, this lady who was sick, she couldn't see Jesus. She couldn't reach out and feel Jesus, but she was still healed by Jesus. We may not be able to see Jesus and reach out to him, but he's still a redeemer. He's still a deliverer. He is still almighty. And being able to heal and perform this is a, a pretty big task and takes a lot of faith. And it reminded me of a passage back in the Old Testament with Elijah around 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah Elijah had 450 prophets trying to go against him. And they were swaying the way of the people and Elijah said, you know how long will you people go limping between these different opinions? Because, see, they wouldn't go all the way to Baal. They kind of would try to get the best of both worlds. 
We're going to get a little bit of for what, what Elijah said about what God says, and we're going to go to what these Baal prophets said. And Elijah said, all right, I've, I've had about enough of this. Because when he said that, it was basically a, a you know, uh, ultimatum. You need to go with this side or that side. And they responded in silence. So he said, uh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, uh, you bring all your 450 Baal prophets and uh, I'll bring myself and my God and we'll see whose God is better. We're going to set up a sacrifice and we're going to call fire down from heaven. And this is no big thing because they were sacrificing bulls. You know how big of a hole you have to dig to put a bull in it? Had people there. They had to build altars. They had to build everything. And this was a big task. They had to get the people there. Just getting the people there is enough trouble. You know, anybody who's ever planned an event and hoped that people would show up. <clears throat> it's difficult enough in itself. But they had to get the stuff ready. They had to get the people there. You had 450 prophets going and you had this one, one Elijah with his God. And he told the prophets, y'all can go first. And they tried. And they tried and they tried and they tried. And Elijah, I kind of like Elijah because he was a little sarcastic about it. He's like, hey, you know, maybe if you call a little bit louder. Surely Baal can hear you. He should be powerful enough to take care of this. Scream a little louder. Maybe he'll come. And after he was done, after they were done and they still had no fire from heaven, it was Elijah's turn. And Elijah said, well, I know we're supposed to call fire down from heaven, but uh, before we get started, Anybody got a gallon of water? A jug of water? They had one. Poured the water on the altar. Pour another one. Another one. Pour another one. Another one. He was so confident. He had so much faith in what God could do. That he was willing to call down fire on something wet. It may look like your situation is the exact opposite of what you desire. But our God is a God that can take something that is completely wet and turn it on fire. Our God is a God that can take someone who stutters and turn them into a magnificent speaker. Our God is someone that can take somebody who's broken internally and heal them. Just faith. Develop that relationship. Develop that relationship by spending time with him. Spending time in the word. Spending time studying, fasting, praying, going to church, working in ministry. Develop that relationship. Respect that authority. God is the God who sits high and looks low, is the one who created all things, who's judge of all persons. 
the person who has designed this universe, the person who speaks and words are for, worlds are formed. He's God all by himself and respect the Redeemer because 2,000 years ago he died for our sins and because he died for our sins we were able to bridge that gap over sin into God often see it described as a picture and they have these two big this, this two big pieces of land and a big pit in the middle of them and a cross acting as a bridge between those two pieces of land so you were able to get from one side to another using Jesus but it requires faith it requires faith a, a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things unseen if we could prove it we wouldn't be able to believe it and we spend a lot of time proving things and I am not against science I am a strong proponent of science I I'm a very analytical, technology-driven person, and I understand that that technology works on science, but I also understand that there are some things you just can't explain. I can't explain how red blood can be on a dirty soul and make it white as snow. I can't explain it, but I believe it. And because I believe it, I have to tell folks about it so that they might be saved in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. The doors of the church are open and we invite you to come.